And then cold emails, like what's the strategy there? Cause I send them out daily. I'd love to be able to get more responses. First off the subject line, you know, getting curiosity, getting them interested enough to open and look at the body. So it's like an advertisement for the email. That's mm-hmm. all a subject line is, is an advertisement right. for the email. So like given that, like what really cuts through, like you know, humor often can cut through, mm-hmm. but it's gotta be like funny. People try and do really weird random <laughs> stuff sometimes. I'm trying to think of what this, this guy was like, uh, some like email about his like wife's panties or something. This guy kept, he kept trying to use this weird subject line to get my attention. <laughs> Welcome to the Digital Social Hour. I'm your host, Sean Kelly. I'm here with my co-host, Wayne Lewis. What up, what up? And our guest today, Stefan Georgie. What's up, guys? Stefan, how you doing, man? Doing well, how are you? Pretty good, man. Copywriting king. Copywriting king? Yeah. Over a billion dollars in copywriting. Sheesh. Let's dive into how that happened. Yeah, I mean, well, I guess it starts in Vegas, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, my dad passed away in 2011, Mm -hmm. and I went to Vegas a little bit after that to blow off steam. And uh, I met a girl at a poker table. She was the copywriter. I didn't know anything about copywriting, but we ended up dating. And then I took a job in South Florida. Uh, I was making like $200 a day. I'd come home from, you know, it was an outside sales job. So I was driving around in traffic, all that. And, you know, she was like in her underwear, drinking a beer, and she made like 1200 bucks in the same day. And so I was like, I want to try that out. Like, <laughs> what is what is copywriting? You know, mm-hmm. I really, like I knew that she wrote like ads kind of, but I didn't really know you know like what it meant so i basically wrote like an ad my first piece of copy ever was an ad for somebody to hire me as a copywriter mm-hmm. <laughs> and i think i charged like 147 dollars for basically to write an ad for somebody um and i put it up and i woke up the next morning and i had like 200 and whatever it was 96 298 dollars in my what paypal website? What was it, it was on a website called warrior forum oh, warrior which i think warrior. is still kind of around uh mm-hmm. but it was like a lot of like honestly it's funny it was like people making like little SaaS products but yeah they weren't valued like from an enterprise level it was sort of, you know, Facebook, like ad scraper, like, mm-hmm. you know, this tool that goes through and scrapes all the ads and a lot of kind of like DIY stuff before Facebook had those tools and, mm-hmm. and a lot of stuff like that. So people needed, um, they, they create these products, they hire a copywriter to write the ad, but they put on the form and then other people would buy it. And mm-hmm. if they made like a million dollars on launch, that'd be like a really big deal for them most of the mm-hmm. time. But uh, it was great for somebody just starting out for mm-hmm. sure. And so that's how I, I dove in mm-hmm. and, uh, that was like 2012, I guess. And then I sort of, I mean, you know, I can, I can, I don't want to go too deep in, or too long on the story, but you know, I just sort of went on Upwork right at the time I was Elance and mm-hmm. started getting clients there and I would sort of do whatever. So people might be like, uh, I mean, I did like research. I wrote people's college papers. I <laughs> did like anything, you know, mm-hmm. like whatever it was. Um, the only fans wasn't around at the time. So couldn't mm-hmm. show me <laughs> money, but I, I had to figure something out. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but I kept going back to copywriting, right. got, got hired by this company out of uh, Romania that was like doing informational products. So like ebooks, guides on stuff, mm-hmm. like everything from alternative health to like investing. Like I wrote mm-hmm. like a like a Bitcoin like a uh, guide and, and sort of like how to make money with Bitcoin thing mm-hmm. in 2014, right. wow. which we, by the way, never published. And then I've been looking back at that <laughs> in hindsight, like that was, you know, like I probably should have probably should have followed that. Wow. Like, yeah. She just wrote an article on how to make money from Bitcoin in 2014. Yeah. So my wife was like. By 2013, what was she was into Bitcoin. Bro, it was like 20 bucks, right? Yeah. Like, she was using it to play online poker, basically. Mm-hmm. And so, and I'm like, this is, you know, like everyone. I'm like, oh, this is kind of dumb, whatever. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, it was starting to 
get more momentum. And I had another friend who was into it. So I basically pitched the publisher like, hey, let's do a guide on how to trade Bitcoin. And it was mm -hmm. like, oh, there was no like Coinbase or things like that at the mm -hmm. time. Right. Mm -hmm. So um, it was like, much more technical. So like created like, a guide and then wrote like a you know, sales letter, like an ad for, hey, you could make money by buying Bitcoin. Yeah. But it was so early, I guess, that like we just they never ended up publishing it and I didn't really push for it. But mm -hmm. um, but it was cool basically with that that role with these guys is like their entire thing was like we have the team we can create like you know informational products books guides for really whatever topic so they're like you just come to us with ideas mm -hmm. and then we'll make the product you just write the advertisements mm -hmm. for it right. so like everything from like sports betting to like health stuff to law of attraction stuff to like mm -hmm. self-defense uh really any kind of niche or category mm -hmm. like seeing like how to make your own alternative energy like engines like just all kinds of weird mm -hmm. and um so it's kind of neat because I really got like a wide breadth of experience, I guess. Mm -hmm. And uh, they ended up doing 100 million their first year, uh, and then based on that copy and had a lot of success after that. Mm -hmm. And um, wow, yeah, I just sort of kept going. I can, you know, that was up to about 2014, 2015. Mm -hmm. but yeah. Wow. And then from there, you left on your own and started doing jobs on your own, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I started some of my own companies. Like I started a supplement company that that did pretty well, mm -hmm. and uh, partnered in some companies and did client stuff, did some agency work, mm. a lot of things. And now with the emergence of AI, do you see that disrupting the copywriting industry massively? Oh yeah, definitely, Absolutely. definitely. Like, yeah. are you nervous at all? I'm not nervous because I, I embraced it really fast, mm -hmm. so. So you're using it right now? Oh yeah, I mean, exactly. we, we started like a new, <laughs> we started a new agency like six months ago mm -hmm. that's already like done multi-million, like several million dollars and like, mm -hmm. like it's purely like AI, like we're doing short form, long form copy. Mm -hmm. um, we just jumped right on it immediately and so, we're in like a leadership position where mm -hmm. then we're helping other like copywriters and marketers and mm -hmm. stuff. Um, but it's really interesting because there's still a lot of people who who like think it's a fad or who don't understand it. And it's very yeah. weird to see the older yeah. people, right? Yeah, older I, even young, young even, people even too. Younger too. I asked somebody to tell me AI, you're like you're panicking over AI. Told me I was panicking, which I wasn't. I was just enlightening them. Told me that you're worried about something that's going to happen ten years from now. Mm. Or, or like a some 50 years from now and i'm like no it took them 50 <laughs> years to get to this point yeah facts it's, it's already over. happening for sure yeah yeah it's happening now for yeah. sure yeah some people think it's a fad because i guess what happened with web3 but i think ai is here to stay mm -hmm. i mean it definitely is it's just it's a good tool right and right now it's like for copywriters marketers whatever it's mm -hmm. like the perfect like compliment to what you do you mm -hmm. know it's like it can do a lot of the heavy lifting for you you still need to have ideas you mm -hmm. still need to kind of understand how to piece things together mm -hmm. and you're more of like a strategist and it's more of an executor right. and that's really powerful and also knowing how to talk to it right mm -hmm. like we have prompts that we use that are like 2,000 words long mm -hmm. like I mean extremely long prompts where we're basically giving it really detailed sets of directions mm -hmm. it's really like you're like a human like the new programming language is like English basically right yeah yeah and so you're basically like a coder now which is great for me because I was never super mathematically inclined but mm -hmm. I'm extremely like verbally inclined right and mm -hmm. so this is like I'm like a special place in time, I think. Right. But but again, it's about embracing it. I see a lot of people who aren't. And I I think, you know, I think it's scary. Yeah, I think it's scary. There's disruption for sure. Yeah, you said yeah. coding. I didn't even think about it. AI could affect programmers jobs. Well, no, oh, it, it definitely it, is. No, it yeah. is affecting a programmer's job. But he's saying us inputting the information or what we wanted to actually do is actual code. Right, right. It's like HTML. Like natural easier. language programming. Yeah, yeah, but it's right. natural language. So you yeah, because the prompting is important. Yeah, absolutely. Because as soon as you hit, you have to write prompt. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, because so. I'll type a sentence and then it'll come out bad, but then I'll type yeah. like a paragraph. Yeah. yeah. 
and I got a whole legal document exactly. ready to go. <laughs> exactly. So it, it actually re- responds better when it's more detailed. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. And then for cold emails, like what's the strategy there? Because I send them out daily. I'd love to be able to get more responses. So when you say cold, I mean, you have like a list of people who have never heard from you before at all. or Yeah, a list of people I want to get on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's a brand that I want to work with, stuff like that. I mean, I think, you know, it's the same with whether you're selling the podcast or product or anything. Mm-hmm. It's like first off the subject line mm-hmm. and like really all the subject line is, is like, you know, getting curiosity, getting them interested enough to open and look at the body. So it's like an advertisement for the email. That's mm-hmm. all the subject line is, is an advertisement right. for the email. So like given that, like what really cuts through, like, you know, humor often can cut through, mm-hmm. but it's got to be like funny. People try and do really weird, random <laughs> stuff sometimes. I'm trying to think of what this, this guy was like, uh, some like email about his like wife's panties or something. This guy kept, he kept trying to use this weird subject line to get my attention. <laughs> and it's like, it got my attention, but it was like the wrong way. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I'm like, I don't know. Like you seem kind of weird. I'm not going to mm-hmm. reply. So, but it's gotta be like funny or it's gotta be maybe personal. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, honestly, like something like even just ex- using somebody's name. Right. Mm-hmm. And like, Hey, like got a question for you, Sean, or I like, got a question, you know, whatever, something mm-hmm. like that. Um, like something that feels personal. Mm-hmm. Cause I'd say maybe once a month I get like duped by one of those where I'm yeah. like, I'm like, I know this is probably just like a BS solicitation, but it feels so personal and real <laughs> that I still open it. And yeah. it's like, Oh yeah, it's mm. just a solicitation. And then, um, you know, in the body copy, I think it's sort of like classic stuff, like building rapport, connecting, like, you know, showing credibility, social proof, right. For mm-hmm. saying like what you're doing with the podcast, like, you know, I don't know. You mentioned, I think like your, co- the content from this podcast gets seen over a hundred million times a month. Right. Yeah. So like, mm-hmm. it's a pretty, impressive thing like yeah. that's like you know making sure you you lead with that and mm-hmm. then what's in it for them right because with all copy it's always like the, the the reader or the prospect's always thinking what's in it for me mm-hmm. and so the mistake we make a lot of times is like you have the 100 million views per month that's a great stat you want to get that in there but then it's you know so you know how can this help them their brand their platform or maybe in something deep like what's like a good cause if you look and research maybe they're passionate about a nonprofit, right mm-hmm. and if like, you know, a lot of famous people, like the angle is all about, you know, you can make money or you can, make, and they're like, dude, I have yeah. a ton of money. I don't care about money, right, but like right. a nonprofit or something that's near and dear to their heart. Yeah, it's connects. emotional. It's an attachment. Yeah. Exactly. Smart. Want to do, yeah. 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 Speaking of emotion, you're really good at bringing emotion into copy, which is kind of hard to pull off, right? Yeah. Because copy is just words. How, mm-hmm. how are you able to pull that off? Man. Uh, I mean, I think I'm very empathetic naturally. Uh, you know, I try to really... I like I used to call it like, to being like a I think there's like a sh- like shaman where like they'd be called like skinwalkers right where they they put on like the the pelt of like a wolf and they become the wolf or like whatever mm-hmm. it is and I yeah. try to really do that and like when I'm really writing good copy I really try to embody that person to the point where if I'm writing as a you know angry 60 year old woman like I like I feel like mm-hmm. well, like I almost feel like that or an angry 60 <laughs> year old man I'm like almost like shaking with rage or I'm mm-hmm. feeling the emotion I'm really trying to imagine myself like in that moment mm-hmm. and then i just try to really transfer that into the words that i write gotcha wow and what was sort of your first like big breakthrough when you went off on your own and left that company that did 100 million yeah so i had a, a line of like uh health supplements where essentially the market for that company was like conservative christian 50 plus right, right and right. still is their market they're still around still doing really well but uh we were doing all informational products and I sort of felt like, well, you know, like I knew that health supplements were a big space and I knew that market now pretty well. So I'm like, what if we just do, you know, supplements for them? Because they're buying all these guides, but if you can give them high quality, you know, 
supplements maybe can help them get better mm-hmm. health outcomes or support their health or whatever. Um, but since they're Christian, I'm like, why don't we just do like like biblical supplements? Yeah. So basically, I did like a line of supplements where the ingredients came were all mentioned in the Bible. Mm-hmm. So I had like a biblical blood sugar supplement and oh, um, wow. like a biblical <laughs> weight loss supplement and even like a um, like like ED, like erectile dysfunction is a big category, right? But I'm like, mm-hmm. why can't, it's hard to sell like ED, like a lot of ED type of offers are kind of like about, you know, I don't know if I can cuss it out, but yeah, they're kind of like crudely marketed, let's say. Mm-hmm. So like, but I read an article about this pastor in like uh, Texas, whose whole, I think it was in Texas, but his whole thing was bring God back into the bedroom and how mm-hmm. like God wanted, you know, you and your wife to be making love and how that was sort of, you know, kept the family closer and all this mm-hmm. stuff. So I was like, man, I, I read it like a year before, maybe two years before, but it really just stuck with me. So I created this one called um, Trinity X3 that was like for the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, but it was also for him, for her, and for both of you. Mm-hmm. And so the idea was it was like this biblical like intimacy supplement that could bring husband and wife together so they were honoring God in the bedroom. Mm-hmm. And actually, I crushed it with that because mm. then it was like, first of all, I didn't have to just sell to men, which, you know, cuts off half, half the market. Right. Second of all, like I gave them permission. We had a pastor guy as our spokesperson as well. So it was coming from him and it was giving them permission to like, you know, be sexual and things like that. <laughs> wow. Um, and so that one, yeah. So the blood sugar, I mean, all of them did pretty good. So I, I did like a million the first year and, but I lost money. I almost like, you know, kind of quit and gave up or whatever. And mm-hmm. then the second year we did like 23 million. Jeez. So we had a pretty good X. hockey wow. stick on that. And, yeah. And was that just you yourself or you had a team? I had a team. I mean, I was the sole owner of it, but I had a, a team and, and had to wow. learn a lot of them too. But yeah. And the margins are good in copy business, mm-hmm. right? Uh, yeah, both in, in supplements and with copy in general. I mean, when you're when you're writing the copy, your margins are super high, obviously. Mm-hmm. It's just the time, right? The, the biggest problem copywriters run into is scaling time. Like, like I talk about right now because we have this agency like that's, that's doing well, but because I have two partners in that, it's like our margins are 65%, but mm-hmm. then I'm splitting with two partners. But and so currently it's like I could do like a quarter of the work, write like two to three sales letters a month and make a hundred to hundred and fifty thousand dollars a month. Mm-hmm. I'm doing way more work than that currently, and I'm making like, you know, thirty or forty thousand a month on right. this agency. Now I'm doing right. it because if we keep scaling it and you know, the the, the long term upside is significantly higher. Right. We're incorporating AI, we're trying to do all these things where we want to sell that agency in like eighteen mm-hmm. months for like a big exit. But right. um but yeah, copywriting is like time is really your limiter and then but with supplements yeah the margins are pretty good depending on how you know you acquire mm-hmm. customers but like like 30 percent, maybe up to 40 percent, which is pretty good for a physical product right yeah. very good for e-commerce yeah, that's not bad at all yeah with copywriting you're trading time for money though i see what you're saying it's like a limited scale right yeah, yeah there's like a trap and then a lot of people who i think this is true for a lot of people who are really uh skilled like you know technicians so to speak yeah. they um like they go to create an agency. So this is like my third agency that I'm doing now. And after the, the second one, I, I was like, I'm never doing an agency again. <laughs> Why? I hate the agency model. Why? All this. Um, because it's, I mean, I don't like dealing with clients sort of, it's like mm-hmm. a pain, you know, to have like, uh, this is a lot of moving parts. You know, if you're hiring contractors, clients get kind of, can be annoying, all, all these sorts of things. And I just found it to be a, a lot when I was mm-hmm. like, I can just go in my cave and, and write and make a lot of money Congrats. anyway, right? Um, but then with AI, it was like, you know what, we can do this with a lot of high leverage, mm-hmm. um, where, you know, we can produce more copy and do it more efficiently. And, mm-hmm. and so I came back to it, but a lot of people, I think, and it's pretty valuable for people who, who listen or watch this, right. It's like, they get really good at doing something, but they're tired of fulfilling because of the time mm-hmm. thing. And they're like, man, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm at this, this ceiling. Right? right. And so then it's always like, well, I like the selling part. I love when people send me the money. That part's great. Mm-hmm. So they're like, you know, if I could just get other people to do the fulfillment, I can be the sales guy. It'll be great. 
But I think the mistake people make is like they don't understand that an agency really is running a business, right? Yeah, it is. Absolutely. So suddenly it's like hiring, it's mm-hmm. like, you know, managing those employees or contractors. Mm-hmm. You know, there's like the accounting stuff. You've also got to like work on the client satisfaction. There's just mm-hmm. a lot of steps. And I, I think people become overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. The quality of the work slips. Uh, they actually end up making less money because they're redoing. They don't really know how to manage. So mm-hmm. they redo the work. Right. Mm-hmm. And this is true whether it's copy or like media buying or right. photography or whatever it is. Right. They end up redoing a lot of it. And then they're actually making less per hour than if they had, had just never started mm-hmm. wow. an agency at all. That's wild. Yeah. Yeah. I don't like the agency model, to be honest, yeah. even as a customer. Well, I mean, if it this it just depends on your business model. I mean, what works for you is what works. You know, I'm talking about marketing agencies because with Facebook ads, they'll charge you monthly, right? Mm-hmm. And then a percent of your ad spend. Yeah. The incentives aren't really aligned there. Yeah. But they're doing all most of the work. They're doing most of the work, yeah. but they don't care if you are Selling, not profitable yeah, or, or not, if you're yeah. or the other way around. They don't care. Yeah. They just want to get paid every month. You know what yeah. I mean? But that's because most run it off their own template and what they feel like is a formula for them. But every you have to cater to every different business. I mean, every different business has to be catered differently. Yeah. Even from ads, you know, verbiage anything. Yeah. just I mean, but it depends on how much they care about your business. For sure. And that's the problem is a lot of them. I, I think that they care like on some like high level, mm-hmm. but they've got too many things going on. Yeah, so, so it's like you talk to the business owner and they're like, they, they care a lot, but then they've just got a bunch of employees or people who, yeah, who don't never had much, a business right? before, don't know the business, don't care about the business model and just run a dry temp- template and hopefully you get some sales and return the next month or fulfill the contract and yeah, move on to the next. 100%. Let's get a little controversial here. Let's do it. <laughs> I saw on your Facebook, you tweeted out that taking Adderall changed your life. Oh, yeah. Why are you such a fan of Adderall? Uh... Well, because it changed my life, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, um, so when I was here in Vegas in 20, maybe 18, 19 and, you know, so I lived here for like seven years in Vegas and, um, I got like, a like seasonal depression, right? Mm. So like, it was like sort of getting dark earlier. I'm feeling depressed. I'm like drinking more. I'm like moody. And, you know, I went to go see like a therapist or whatever about it and, so we're talking and, and he's kind of like, all right, well, like, what's your schedule like during like the, the winter? And I'm like, you know, I, I just go to my office. I go home. It's like dark. Uh, I'm like kind of depressed. I don't want to do anything. Like, mm-hmm. so I, just, I just drink whatever. He's like, all right, like, what do you do during the summer? I'm like, well, after work, I might go play golf, go yeah. to dinner. I'm like, like way more active. He's like, okay, so you're way more active, you know, during the summer and you're not depressed. I'm like, yeah. And he's like, you're not active uh, during the winter and you are depressed. I'm like, yeah. And he's like, all right. He's like, well, you know, basically the idea was that there was less, it was, I was more, the inactivity of just sitting there and not having anything to do, I was getting bored because mm-hmm. of the hyperactivity of ADHD. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he was like, well, have you ever been diagnosed with that before? And I'm like, well, yeah. And he's like, oh, what happened last time? So I've been like 2013, 14. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, you know, I, uh, I became a millionaire for the first time in my mm-hmm. life, started these multiple businesses. Um, you know, he's like, did you have seasonal depression? I'm like, no. And he's like, uh, what? And then what? I'm like, well, then I stopped taking it. And he's like, okay, like, well, maybe you should get back on your, your medication. Mm-hmm. And I was yeah, that's, that kind of makes sense. Like, because um, I taken modafinil pre- previously, so I got back on Adderall, and I just noticed that my uh, the mood swings went away. Uh, I was more attentive with like my family because I have a my daughter's five now; she was mm-hmm. a lot younger. Yeah. And that was a big thing. He was really big. I think so many people would take Adderall because like they uh, they think about for like work, or they took right. it like in college, or when they were like you know working on some project, mm-hmm. and so that's how. But really, you should take it like like if you have true ADD or ADHD, you should take it daily because it's not just about like you know being productive with work. It's about being present with your family. And so when when I'm not on it, 
it's like I, you know, if I'm having this conversation and my daughter's yelling over here and something's going on over here, I'm like a hot mess, right? Mm-hmm. When Trying I'm on to pay it, attention to everything. Yeah, and I, I can't. It's like yeah. it's like a sensory overload. Wow. And so yeah, I just became more present, more focused. Mm-hmm. Going out, like having like dinners, like at a loud restaurant. I used to like I'd go to the bathroom just to like have a minute to like be like in silence, like without fail. I would just mm-hmm. go to the bathroom so that I could. I need. I almost need like peace because I had to like my sensory component to like calm down because I was like overstimulated and like a loud restaurant, right? Or a big mm. table, a big group of people, yeah, yeah. Right. like all that stuff went away. I drank less because I wasn't having as much social anxiety because I could actually focus and have conversations. Mm-hmm. I actually stopped drinking entirely maybe five months ago. Yeah, yeah. same here. Um, yeah. He doesn't drink at all. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it just made a huge difference. I mean, and, and yeah, productivity too and all that. Wow. But you, you don't think there's a way to treat it naturally or do you think that's Fools. the only way? No, Never like does. his, um, ADHD. He can microdose on he ADHD. Microdose. Yeah. I, I've, I actually started microdosing a little while back. Mm-hmm. Like, not all the time, but I have yeah. like little 0.1 grams or it whatever. It helps with that. That's a microdose, yeah. 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 So, which has been cool. I mean, for me, it's almost like, uh, yeah, and it, it, yeah, it does help a little bit. But yeah. I think you can do it naturally. But I, I personally, like, I take a pretty conservative dose of Adderall. I try to vary it so that mm-hmm. I do take it every day, but like, I'm prescribed up to 30 milligrams the total for the day. But you I take think, less than that. Most of the time, yeah. Okay. And and the most you can get prescribed is I think 120 or 140 or something crazy mm-hmm. like that. So it's small. I know wow. so that's a crazy amount. Right? That sounds nuts. That's, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, and I was like the whole time. I start at 20. I'm up to 30, which mm-hmm. I but but again I don't take the full amount. Basically yeah. Ever. So your body's not dependent on it. Right. Yeah. yeah and like yeah. yesterday, for example, I took like my full morning dosage and I took like basically like a quarter of a quarter in the afternoon. Mm. So I took like maybe mm. at like 17 milligrams yesterday, yeah. you know, cause it's like, again, I don't, I don't want to be dependent and build that tolerance, right. you know? So for me, it's like, I can sleep on it. I go to bed like 10 o'clock. I sleep like eight hours most mm. nights. Like, is there a side effect to it? I don't really have one, honestly. Oh, there's no burnout or anything. I don't think so. I think it happens when people, I think most people like don't take it regularly. Then they take like, you know, 30 milligrams, which for me is, well, I won't take it all at once, but they take mm-hmm. like a, like 30 milligrams at once. Then they feel like they're on crack for like a day or two. <laughs> and then they're like, well, I don't know how you can take that every day, man. It's like, cause I don't feel that way. Well, like, is it like a rush or something? I've never. You're focused. You're locked in. You're locked in. But so how, why does it feel like you're on crack if you're focused? I mean, it's strong. It's a strong effect. Like when I went back on it, like in 2019 or whatever it was, I basically told myself like, I know I might feel a little cracked out, but I'm going to give it a week mm-hmm. and just see. Because the first couple of days I did feel a little bit weird, but then your body like, acclimates to it pretty quickly mm-hmm. yeah. and then you like don't feel weird after mm-hmm. that you know but a lot of people just take it sporadically and they take way too much of a dosage yeah so they feel like they're like they're overdosing on meth or some you know what i mean <laughs> so i think that's a huge part yeah. of it so what's next for you you made a ton of money you got kids what's what's the next goal yeah i mean i think the agency side of it like i really want to do with ai i think there's just so much opportunity here right now so i really want to I really want to sell the agency for nine figures, which is, it's not easy to sell an agency for that much, mm-hmm. but I think like we've got a lot of like internal SaaS things that we're developing. Like um, we've got a lot of interesting processes. So I think that's one of the plays. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, besides that, I think just keep like teaching, sharing, mm-hmm. investing. I write a book soon with the help of AI. So <laughs> That'd be sick. Yeah. Now with agencies, the valuation, it's a multiple of revenue, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But if you can position it like, SAS. With the SAS. That's so like then the, you'll get a 10 to 20x. That's yeah. like the, the hope there. Yeah. It's yeah, like right. the idea is almost like a strategic buyer because it's like, okay, we're like, we can just solve copy. Like we basically want to just solve copywriting. Right. Mm-hmm. And there's stuff like, like if you like Jasper and things like that, but like mm-hmm. they don't really like they solve it for like a small business owner who has a flower shop and just wants to send like, okay emails. Yeah. Like they solve it for that person, but they don't solve it for anyone who really 
wants to like generate sales and drive revenue. Like it's right. really not, you know, and so we're, there's obviously the thought of like, we could just build the SaaS that competes with them. And I wanted to do that. My partners were a little more wary, mm -hmm. so we might still go that route. But I think um, even if we just do it internally at the agency, so if someone, you know, there's, there's companies that buy all these agencies, right? They yeah. roll up agencies. So it's like, if they can take all of our like sort of processes and proprietary stuff and then deploy that across 200 agencies mm -hmm. that are all doing media buying and suddenly like, we solve ads for 200 agencies. Yeah, you guys in, right? in, improve their, their revenue and make their companies run way more efficient. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Just, you basically, Selling your business model, exactly, not the actual agency. Itself. Copy is a huge yeah. issue too. Most yeah. people can't write at all, at all. To yeah. be honest, so, like I didn't I mean, do well in English class yeah. growing up. Plus, you know, with well, I'm dyslexic, so yeah, I, I hate anything when it comes to overwriting or texting. Bro, I was that kid yeah. that literally got caught. My teacher pulled me to the side. Mm -hmm. She said, "I know you plagiarized. Uh, you got <laughs> your, your, you got detention. Like, <laughs> right, right. Literally, like yeah. she called me out." So and I now think, there's ChatGPT and everyone's doing yeah, it. Yeah, I think <laughs> AI is perfect. Yeah. I mean, that's a solid business model, especially when it comes to getting to, you know, uh, acquired by someone. Yeah, for sure. It's hot. Any closing comments, man? That was great. Appreciate that. Um, yeah, one more controversial thing I've been thinking about recently mm -hmm. is that, like, uh, you know, this is sound really funny, but I was in a room of entrepreneurs recently, and I was like, hey, how many of you were, like, ever a mm -hmm. right? And, like like half the room raised their hand mm -hmm. and like, I'm not talking about like, you know, breaking bad, but like you sold a lot <laughs> in high school, whatever mm -hmm. it was. Right. Mm -hmm. And like, the more I've thought about that, the more I'm like, we shouldn't shame people who are dealers because mm -hmm. I'm like, you know what? That's like the first entrepreneurial foray for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Right. What were they doing? They it were is. learning like all these sort of like sales skills, like managing inventory, customer service. <laughs> I know it sounds kind of funny, but I was mm -hmm. like, you know what? Like profit I'm, margin. Yeah. Profit margin. Like all yeah, that kind of quality yeah. of product, right? Structure, business model, where you're standing, where you're at, but, who, who's your customer, understanding your customer. Yeah. So many things yeah, like that. Yeah. yeah. Like, and again, I remember one time I had like, I got like, I bought like a pound of like, supposed to be good. It was like terrible. Mm -hmm. And I had a really hard time selling it. So you were mm -hmm. like, okay, well we got quality assurance, like know the product before you buy. Mm -hmm. Like there's so many lessons that you learn. And so, um, I have another friend who kind of says be criminal and I'm not saying be criminal, like go mm -hmm. break, like, you know, rob people, and but like just like having that mentality of like, take those lessons that you've learned in life. And even things that maybe like some people look at as being like, they're afraid of or ashamed of from their past. And like, really like think about all the good that came from that. And don't be so afraid to sort of almost like congratulate yourself mm -hmm. and for what you've, you know, how that helped you get to the next level. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of entrepreneurs that were dealers. A yeah, um, majority of them. I would say. More yeah. than 50, I'd say, yeah. Yeah, I saw some kind of form of or did something illegal at some point. For it's sure. Entrepreneurs is just what they are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're willing to take a little, a little risk, risk, you know? Uh, um, oh, that's, entrepreneur is a nice way of saying risk taker. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Weighing anything? Um, thank you guys for watching. Thanks for tuning in. Digital Social Hour. See you guys next time. Peace.